All right. You know, I like to think that there's ever times that if we go to God and, and we say, God, this world just doesn't feel like it ought to. This world doesn't feel like the kingdom that you've promised and that we're expecting and that we're waiting for, that I think that God would sometimes look at us and say, or maybe always would look at us and say, it's not supposed to. This is a shadow of what's to come, and my intention is that it will leave you anticipating and expecting the time when you have what is greater and better. Uh, Maybe in a similar way, that's kind of how we do virtual church, right? Uh, It's not perfect. It's not the smoothest. It's not the most well-programmed and overproduced show in in Christian uh, virtual Uh, ministry in 2020, and maybe that's okay. Maybe that reminds us that we should keep longing for the time that we get to be back together and the time that we can be knee-to-knee and face-to-face and eye-to-eye and side-by-side and worshiping and being a church family in all the ways that God designed for us to do that. Uh, We can't do that uh, today and next week, and, and we'll see what the future holds beyond that. But there's also something to me that's a little bit poetic. There's something to me that's kind of special about being reminded that what we are enduring for a short time in ways that are not altogether uncomfortable. Uh, I've had several people tell me that they're going to have a very hard time in the future getting out of pajamas to come to church, although thank you for doing that in the future. Um, The world uh, is a different place, and, and while we're struggling through this, there's many who are actually experiencing this in much the same way as they have in the past. There are many around the world who live in church congregations of two and three and four. Dennis often mentions those in Italy who uh, don't have a church family beyond those that they share a household with. There are others in the world who are are shut-ins, not just in this season of COVID quarantine, uh, but beyond that, that are unable to get out of their homes or get transportation to go and be with a church family. And so this is, in some ways, a Solidarity Sunday, where we're reminded of those who are persecuted in the world, churches that are alone in their households, and Christians who are unable to go and worship with their church family on a regular basis, that in these weeks... We get to share in their blessing and perseverance and endurance as we are reminded that God is worth worshiping in any way that we can worship Him. And we're reminded of that in this season. You know, as we move towards Christmas this year, one of the things that Laura has been working on for several weeks and that we're going to begin to start doing here in the, in the coming month uh, is that she's been putting together uh, Advent calendars or activities that are, are leading up to Christmas for our, our young families and our family ministry here. Uh, many of you will begin receiving those in the next day or two on your doorstep. Uh, these calendars are for your kids to every day, starting on December 1st, open one day at a time and be given one of the names of Jesus. One of the titles or names that is given to Jesus in Scripture. And each one of these names reveals to us something that is special and unique, something that is meaningful and has great purpose in helping us to understand who Jesus was and is and will be and what that means for our lives. Our hope is that our families will will make this part of their season of Christmas this year, that as they gather around each day and open the name of Jesus, that it will lead to a time of talking about what does this name mean to you 
and giving kids and parents an opportunity to talk about the many different ways that we think about, envision, understand who Jesus is. Uh, We're also going to be, because not everyone may have a, a great way to think about this or talk about this, Uh, And not all of our members will have access to those calendars. Uh, So we want a way to to communicate virtually and and, and online what the name of the day is so that everyone can participate. We have recruited a young up-and-coming YouTuber uh, named Landor. Some of you may know him as Landon Beckham. Uh, Landon is going to be kicking us off this next week, starting on December 1st, with a daily video on our Facebook, uh, our church Facebook group, that'll talk about each day's name. Uh, and as we move through this, he's going to involve some other kids and teens and families from our church uh, in, in getting online and sharing what we know about Jesus and his names. So there's something that everyone can be looking forward to. Uh, The sermons throughout this month will also be tied to the names of the coming week. And so even though it's not quite December yet, the beginning of December will come later this week. And so we are kicking off this series uh, today uh, with a series of sermons that will go along with the names of Jesus. And I want to begin... Uh, this lesson today with Matthew chapter 1, the passage that was read earlier. I want to revisit it again as we look at the name Jesus. Today we look at the name given to him by both God and his father Joseph, the name Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, it tells us this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. One of the most famous and historically significant names that's ever been given to a baby was given to this boy. This week in our calendars, we'll see the names Jesus, Son of God, Creator of all things, the Star and Lion of Judah. And the first one is the name given to him by the instructions from the angel to the father, Joseph, his earthly father, who said that this boy's name will be Jesus. But before we get started on this lesson, I want those who are at home, if you're watching this with with your husband, your wife, those who live in your household with your kids, uh, come together and and we're going to take just one minute and I want you to see, this is kind of an activity as a family that you can be doing, Uh, I want you to see how many names or titles for Jesus that you can come up with in one minute. 
All right, one minute to see how many names or titles that you can come up with for Jesus, the Son of God, that's one, in the next minute. Ready, go. Take about 10 more seconds. All right. Well, I don't know how many you were able to come up with, but I hope that there was something that you enjoyed doing together. you know, I, when you think about the name of Jesus, there's some things that, that maybe we automatically think or assume. Uh, back in the days of Jesus, people didn't have middle or last names. When I was growing up, uh, when I was really in trouble, my mom would say, Kenton Reeves Brown, you get over here right now. And the louder the Reeves was, the more trouble I knew that I was in. Um, I don't think that Jesus' mother ever got mad at him and yelled out, Jesus of Nazareth, you get over here right this instant. You've got some explaining to do. Because his name, of course, was not first name Jesus, middle name of, last name Nazareth. Uh, His last name is also not Christ. If you've ever thought to yourself that that his name was first name Jesus, last name Christ, that's not how he was named. It's not the surname that was given to him. That's not how names worked back then. Christ is, in fact, a title that we'll get to later this month as we're studying the names and titles of Jesus. It's a very important one that describes him as the anointed one. Um, But he wasn't that yet when he was born, and it wasn't the name that was given to him. He was Jesus. Often people in Jesus' days were known by where they were from or who their parents were. And so you would have Joseph, son of David, in the text that was read earlier. Uh, Or you might have Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, uh, telling you where he's from so that you would know, oh, that's the one you're speaking of. Sometimes they would get a second name, Simon, uh, known as Peter, a name that was given to him later. And so there's all these different ways of identifying people, and all of them tell you some about their identity, who they are, where they're from, what their purpose is, what they were in the business of being about. Names and titles matter even today. I remember uh, when Leah and I were trying to come up with names for our our kids, uh, we would get books that would tell us what is the origin of this name and what are the meaning behind the names. Uh, What does this name rhyme with? It's very important to know what your kid's name rhymes with because eventually they will be in third grade and third graders can be really mean coming up with words that your child's name rhymes with. And so we were always very cautious about uh, the things that sounded like the names we were considering. Um, One of my favorite books that, that we had when we were coming up with names for our kids was actually, it was kind of a word association book. Um, they polled, uh, I don't know, a thousand people and said, when you hear this name, what does your mind assume about that person? 
because we didn't want to start our kid off on the wrong foot with a name that made people assume certain things about them. And so it's a, it's a really unusual way to, to name your kids, but it was part of our considering of what names we wanted to give them. Uh, and one thing we learned, uh, as, as many of you know, our youngest daughter, Harper, um, was adopted. And it, the day that we were able to adopt her remains one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, but when we got there that day uh, and, and we met uh, this baby that would be our daughter for the very first time, they said she's completely healthy. She should be able to go home uh, in 24 hours as soon as, as we're allowed to release her. Um, but she cannot leave the hospital until you name her. And so it suddenly became very important that we would know this little girl's name so she could come home with us. Uh, apparently that's a law here in Oklahoma. You cannot take an unnamed child home with you. So our urgency to name her uh, increased dramatically. Names matter. Titles matter. They tell us about who people are. They tell us about uh, who you were intended to be when you were born. And so when we look at the names and titles that are given to Jesus in Scripture, uh, there was, even as far back uh, as 1737, a guy whose last name was Cruden, who was putting together a concordance. And, and in Cruden's concordance, he came up with a list of every name and title that was given to Jesus in Scripture and came up with 198 different names and titles for Jesus in the Bible. 198 different names and titles, which help you to realize that there's something about this baby boy who's growing into a man who will be the Messiah that needs many, many words to try and explain the many, many things that he means to the world that he lived in. His significance is such that one name doesn't even begin to cover it. We won't look at all 198 names. The calendars and activities that are going out to families this week will cover, of course, 25 of the names. Uh, in the sermons, we'll probably touch on about 10 of them. Really looking at some of the ones that offer us a, a clearer picture and a clearer image of who this Jesus is and what kind of a difference he should make in the world and in our lives. And so today, as we begin looking at the actual name Jesus itself, I want to look briefly at kind of how we got the name Jesus, since no one actually uh, in the world that Jesus lived in used the J sound, so he couldn't have actually been called Jesus. Uh, so how did we get from where his name began to where it is today? And you have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus to see where the name kind of uh, originates. The name that in Hebrew is pronounced something like Yehoshua, Yehoshua which came to be known as Joshua in English. The name Joshua and the name Jesus share an origin. They are the same name in different languages. Uh, but the origin of Jesus in our language is Joshua. In Hebrew, it was Yehoshua. Later, in the later parts of the Old Testament, by the time you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, that name had been shortened so that someone who might have in the past been named Yehoshua would now just be named Yeshua. Uh, that name would be pronounced Joshua or Jeshua in your English translations. Uh, by the time you get to the New Testament, uh, the language of the, of the region had changed to no longer being Hebrew, but Aramaic and Greek, so that when people used the name that had been Yeshua and Yeshua, it now became Jesus 
because the Greeks wanted the S sound, not the SH sound. So Jesus becomes Iesus. And it was something like that name in the pronunciation that they would have used at the day that he would have responded to throughout his actual life. In English, it then becomes translated in our text as Jesus. But in the Greek that Jesus would have been familiar with, it was Iesus. But to those who spoke Aramaic and Hebrew around him, it would have been still something like Yeshua or Joshua. It's the same name. In Latin, uh, it becomes something that I won't even attempt to pronounce. Uh, and then in the 15th century, as it begins to get modified into other languages, there's something called a great vowel shift. I won't pretend to know what that's about, but things that were consonants suddenly become vowels. A Frenchman named Pierre in the 16th century uh, evolves some I's into J's, and so now the name Iesus can be something closer to uh, Jesus or Jesus. And as the King James Version begins taking the Bible that has been inaccessible to people in modern languages and, and translating it into English, we finally begin to get the name that we use today, the name Jesus. All of those different versions of Jesus' name translated over and over again through history from Joshua to Jesus have a similar meaning. And it's the meaning that matters more than the combination of letters or the pronunciation. The meaning of the name Yehoshua or Joshua is something like God saves, Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. And so when the angel comes to tell Mary and Joseph that they're going to be having a baby. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's why you name him Yahweh saves. That's why you name him Yahweh is salvation. So that as he goes about in the world and people meet him, they will know that his identity and his purpose and his past, present, and future are rooted in the salvation of Yahweh. And so when he's going to be born, the angel tells Mary and Joseph that his name is to be Yahweh saves because that is going to be his entire purpose on this world. That in this earth, he is to be the one who brings salvation. It's called a theophoric name in, in really nerdy studies. Uh, when you have a name that includes a God's name in it, it's called theophoric. But it really just means that part of the name is made up of the name of a God. So you have names like Martin, which is one who follows the God Mars. Theodore, Theo being God. Uh, Theodore is Greek for gift of God. So many uh, Hebrew and Jewish names in Scripture uh, have the, the letters E-L at the end of them, Nathaniel, Daniel, uh, and other names, and they have that because the name E-L is one of the names for God. And so those names are proclaiming something about the God that has brought these children into existence in hopes that their lives will echo the work of God through their purpose throughout their life. Many names in Hebrew begin with the J or H because they're different derivatives of Yahweh's name, which later in English often has J's or H's. 
so that uh, Joseph means Yahweh will increase. Hezekiah means Yahweh strengthens. Joshua, Jesus, means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is salvation. The name reveals the identity and the purpose. But Jesus' name is more than other names. Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, the son of man, the son of God, Jesus of Nazareth is more than one whose life uh, is lived historically. His name has actual spiritual physical power. So that in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and one of the things he tells them is that therefore God exalted him. As a result of Jesus' humility and coming into the world and being obedient to God, even to death on a cross, that God then exalts him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What a thing about Jesus' name, that not only is the man Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected worthy of being praised and glorified and having every knee bow, but at even the revelation and the pronouncement of his name, every knee will someday bow. That there is authority in the name of Jesus, power in his name. John 16 and verse 23, uh, we're told that there is power in asking God for things in Jesus' name. Jesus says, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. If someone's ever told you, hey, you need to go talk to this person over here and tell them that that, that they should do you a favor, and, and you say, well, why would that person do me a favor? And the person who is making the introduction says, just tell them I sent you. Just tell them you know me, and that person will do you a favor. Not because they know you, not because they, they want to do it just out of their own, but because you know me, and I've sent you to them. That referral is enough to make a difference in how they respond to you. What Jesus tells us is when you go to God the Father, if you ask for things in His name, that that referral, that recommendation, the use of Jesus' name has such power that it can change the results. That because of the relationship we have with Jesus that reminds us that Yahweh saves, that when we go to God and ask for things in the name of Jesus that God grants those with special significance because there is actual power in the name Jesus. Power is not just in His name, though. Jesus has done incredible and powerful things. One of the things we're going to be looking at in the calendar this week as you open the names of Jesus is the idea that Jesus is Creator. Sometimes we take for granted that Jesus was creator because we get in the mindset that he first came onto the scene in the manger under the star in Bethlehem. But the reality is that in John chapter 1, we are told that in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. The word has come into the world, and the darkness has not understood it. And we're told that this word is, in fact, Jesus. And the word comes into the world. The word comes into the world, and it begins to bring light to the darkness. But the word didn't just start when it was born to Mary. The word was present with God in the beginning, and in him and through him all things are created that were ever created. There is nothing in this world that was created apart from Jesus. And as I was preparing for the lesson this week, I, I was struck by something as I was looking at uh, the, the English and Spanish translations of this text. Because you'll notice that in the English it says that in the beginning was the Word. In Greek it's, it's logos, logos. And in English it's Word. And it has this idea of God who uses His words to create. He speaks in Genesis 1 and the entire creation comes into being just by the power of His Word. The Word in the Old Testament is the law and the teachings of God that are given to His people. The Word in Proverbs is God's wisdom, which is almost God personified. And the Word created in the beginning and it proclaimed the truth of God all through history. And it now is the light that comes into the world. And I don't know a ton of Spanish, but I know just enough to know that word is palabra. Palabra. And so when I got to the Spanish, I expected it to say, uh, in the beginning, ya existia la palabra. But it doesn't. The Spanish, in fact, says, ya existia el verbo. El verbo, and my apologies for my terrible English pronunciation of the V that's there, but el verbo in English is the verb. And it was so interesting to me because there's a, a different kind of meaning to verb than to word. And yet, as I thought about it, I thought, I really like the imagery there. I know historically, after looking into this, that it's from the Latin translation, that it was translated as verb instead of word, and then it's the Latin ties to Spanish that, that allowed them to keep that. But there's something very beautiful and poetic to me. That in Genesis chapter 1, God's creation is through the power of speech and word. And yet in Genesis chapter 2, the power of God's creation is through action. It's through verbs. It's through shaping humans out of dirt and clay. It's out of doing the surgery of Adam's rib to produce Eve. It's out of the breathing into the nostrils, the actual breath of life. And so if word is Genesis 1, verb has to be Genesis 2. And either way you look at this, the idea that Jesus is active, that Jesus is pronouncing God's power, that God is not distant, He is not uh, passive, He is not inactive, that God remains in the Word and in the verb with authority and with great activity in the creation from the beginning. And it wasn't just God that was there, it was Jesus. The most important part of John chapter 1 is not whether it should be word or verb. The most important thing that you need to know from John chapter 1 is that Jesus is shown to have the power to create that all things were created in Him and through Him, that from the very beginning Jesus is present with God the Father. That He has, in that time, unlimited access 
to union and unity with God the Father. And yet, Jesus chooses, the Father chooses, the Spirit chooses that Jesus will leave the place of having the Word and the verb and the activity and the power to create all things. And he's born as a baby. Can you imagine what it was like to go from having the power and authority of God to create all things to having to learn how to walk, to having to learn how to speak, to having to learn the, the Torah and the teachings of God that were given to the people by God, that Jesus was there when the teachings were given to the people and they recorded them, and now Jesus as a baby has to learn them. Jesus has to learn how to carve wood after so many years before he had created trees. One of the most incredible things about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he left heaven to come down and live as a man. That he shared in our struggles, he shared in our difficulties, he went through all the things that we go through. He scraped his knee, he endured the cross, he put up with people. All the different things that Jesus went through. He had incredible power of God Almighty before and the incredible power of, of God Almighty after because God exalts him to the highest place. But in between, he becomes a humble, humble servant. Why do this? Why go through all of this? If you are with God in the beginning and with God in the end, why be present with us in between. And the answer also in John chapter 3 is this. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a thing for God to give his son. This week one of the names we'll be talking about is Son of God. Jesus, creator. God gave his son so that anyone who might believe in him will be saved. So the only name that a son like that could truly have is Yahweh saves, that Yahweh is salvation, that Yahweh desires for all who believe in his son Jesus Christ, whose name is Yahweh saves, might be able to have eternal life through him. That in the very birth that Mary is told that this baby must be called Jesus, Yahweh saves because he is to save people not from Rome, not from the struggles of this world, not from all the other things that come up, to save them from their sins. This is who Jesus was, is, and always will be. A reminder that Yahweh saves. 
If we're going to know anything about who Jesus was and is, what his purpose was, is, and always will be, then we need to understand how he gives his own names and titles, how the New Testament writers proclaim that this is who the man Jesus is. And so for the next month, we're going to every week come together and look at the different names of Jesus. In your homes each day and online, I hope that you're finding ways to interact with one another and to celebrate these names of Jesus. As we move with the world around us, we celebrate Jesus every single day of our lives. The world pays special attention to him during this time of year. Let's come alongside the world and let's celebrate Jesus, the one who reminds us that Yahweh saves and that he's the son of God, that he created and continues to create in us his new creation, the world that he's calling us to live into. And today, like every Sunday, I invite you to respond to the gospel. Obviously, you can't come forward here in a moment as we stand and sing. But I want you to know that the, the, the invitation to respond is still here. It's still present. You can reach out to the shepherds, to me, the other ministers of the church, your other brothers and sisters in Christ uh, today and throughout this week, that if you need to respond to the reality that Yahweh saves and he did it in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, if you need to respond to that, you can still do it. There's no virus in the world that can prevent you from responding to the gospel. And for us, and it will keep us from being there with you every step of the way. If you need us with you, if you need to respond this week, please reach out. Reach out online, on phone, in whatever form you need to reach out to us, please do so. If you need to respond to the gospel as we stand and worship or as you sit and worship alongside us as we praise and think about how we can reach out to people Reach out to the world. Let them know about Jesus, the one who reminds us that Yahweh saves this week.